0: everybody we back another week r2c2
1: how many episodes is this for us now with the ringer man five five six five or six yeah yeah something like that right yeah i have no idea yeah we're rolling now we're just in, <laughs> we're, we're, we're in the throes of it man we're right in the middle of it all now and um and and you are, are right in the middle of a big day of fishing it looks like huh how how was it out there on the water
0: it was good man it was good we had a uh we had a good time uh, got out there and caught some fish, and now we about to have dinner uh, with, with everything <laughs> that we caught. So,
1: oh, uh, nice! Yeah. What's the best fish to eat that you catch? Me, the yeah. Like?
0: yeah, that you uh, catch snook. I love catch. I love eating snook. Interesting. It's good.
1: What, yeah. What, what's it? I, I. What's it like? Tastes like? How, what would you comp it to? It's
0: just. It's just real fluffy. Like it's not like you know. And it, do, it doesn't have a fishy taste. But okay. it, it's a it's a game fish, so they don't sell it in you know supermarkets or whatever. So you got to catch it to eat it, which is uh, even makes it even better. Oh
1: man, sounds good, sounds real good. Well, see, um, I uh, I think everybody probably wants you on the mound uh, for Yankees Rays tonight after uh, their drama yesterday, man.
0: Yo, what is <laughs> going on over there? See, everybody thought I was crazy last year yeah. when I when when. <laughs> I was then. It was me that was making the beef last year. Now everybody, now y'all see. Now y'all see what's going on. It's
1: It's kind of, you know what? It's kind of, um, fun that it's turned into this rivalry because for years it wasn't that. Now it really feels like an intense rivalry between these teams.
0: It it has been though. Like the Rays have been bringing that energy, but like we just kind of like brush it off. You know what I'm saying? But like I, I knew. I mean I knew last year they had a they had a really good team. Hmm. You know, it's you know if if uh, they beat Houston in game 5 and we go play Rays in the ALCS, who knows what happens. You know what I'm saying? Like they yeah. they're that good. And I knew that. So that's why like all last year I was bringing that I was bringing that same energy and then and then they would then they would like back off like, "Oh, why is he, you know, why is he freaking out? Why is he doing this? Why is he doing that?" Because you motherfuckers keep throwing at us. That's why. I see that bullshit. <laughs> well, that's why it was interesting
1: here hear, hearing Kevin Cash as upset as he was Tuesday night after Chapman's pitch. Because now look, I get I get getting upset at a pitch near the head, especially at 101. I totally get that. But it it sounds a little disingenuous when you kind of have laughed off the way your team has thrown consistently at the Yankees.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then they just always say, oh, it slips out, and, you know, we got young pitchers. The thing about the Rays is their young pitchers are fucking polished. They don't bring nobody up that can't throw strikes and have a nasty changeup. You know what I'm saying? And we all know that. So, like, when the balls go up by the fucking neck, then it's, all then it's, oh, we got a young pitch, and it gets away. So, I mean, it is what it is. We'll, we'll have to wait and see how how... You know it all plays out. They're a good team. Like the the Yankees really had to be concerned about them. Like this is a real rivalry for them, and they're young, and this gonna be they gonna be around for a long fucking time. So, and, and that's all I was trying to convey last year is yeah. is and leave with them. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like bring that energy when y'all come down when y'all go down to Tampa, when, and when they come to Yankee Stadium. And I mean I, I can only imagine the the chirping that's going on though with <laughs> you know with no fans, and that's why I told you like I. I feel like I would be horrible for the game right now. I'd be getting suspended <laughs> and thrown out of every game, every fucking game. I'm telling you, the fans really saved me because the shit that I be yelling in the dugout. So if the, if they can, people can really hear that shit and be would be a rap. Like,
1: <laughs> this makes me so badly to oh, want to have man. you in the dugout for a few you know, games, I can man. only
0: imagine the, the back and forth that's going on, man. Oh. That, that shit has got to be crazy.
1: Oh, tremendous, tremendous, man. Well, uh, we'll see. We're recording this Wednesday... Uh, evening we'll see what transpires in wednesday night's game uh who knows might be more fireworks after tuesday's comments yeah Michelle up here said, up
0: here i can't get nothing but nessing though it makes me it makes me oh, sick it's driving no, me crazy <laughs> they, they, they don't have yes on the vineyard man no yes bro so i gotta uh, got figure something you know what I, I might get it on the app though i can i can watch it on my phone you can get my, it on the my, app. Monty's pitching tonight so uh yeah you know, do you i gotta watch my boy
1: do you give Monty feedback like after the starts? Like, because w- w- I know he's your guy. Like, are you, h- how, how, like, in detail do you get with him? Is it like what Andy nah. was with you?
0: Yeah, but you know what? It, like, it, and the same thing with me and, with me and Andy, it wasn't, it wasn't always like just talking, pitching and like, you know, what you did to this guy and that guy and all of that shit. It, it's just like how you feeling and what's going on and, you know, kind of like your mood and shit more so than it is like, you know, going through details of pitches. You know what I'm saying?
1: I do. So I do. He's
0: just ca- kind of getting a feel for where he's at and how he's feeling and, you know, what he can and can't do. Cause you can, I can't go out and be like, oh, you need to throw more cutters if his cutter, if he's not feeling good throwing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. You just got to get a feel for where a guy's at. So that's kind of our relationship is more of like a friendship. Like, you know, so, um, You know, that makes it not more of like a friendship. It is a friendship. You know what I'm saying? And a good good friendship. So (laughs) it makes it easier to talk to him. And, and, uh, you know, I'll definitely be watching tonight rooting for him for sure.
1: Well, um, speaking of friendships, you've struck one up with our guest today, Brian Koppelman, Mm -hmm. who is, you know, he's he's absolutely incredible. Uh, He, right now, most people will know him as the showrunner for. Billions, which is, you know, for you and me, at the top of the list for our favorite shows. It's just, it's an incredible show. Um, for sure. And, and Brian is, you know, he was also the co-writer of Ocean's 13 and Rounders, producer of The Illusionist and The Lucky Ones. He co-directed uh, Solitary Man with Michael Douglas, um, and you know now is the co-creator and showrunner and executive producer of Billions. Uh, he has his own podcast called The Moment Podcast, which you have been on.
0: Yes, um, and, a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, And we were we were going to run this last week. We recorded it with him uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were going to run it last week. But with everything that happened we with Jacob Blake, we did a more current episode with me, you, and Bill. Um, so we decided to run Koppelman this week. But I mean, I think our audience is going to get a huge kick out of this episode, see, because he, he, Brian is in addition to being an all-world talent in the movie business, he is a phenomenal talker. Like, truly incredible.
0: Yeah, he is. And he's like, he's a real, like, he's an athlete. You know what I'm saying? Like, he can do a lot of things pretty good. Like, he can shoot and, like, he can, you know, he's really good, like, moving around. So, uh, he's a a huge sports fan. So, it it makes it fun to talk to him. And and he's got a lot of energy. And that's why I told you, like, you know, you kept saying, we need to get Koppelman on. I was like, no, we need to get him like when we can all be together and like yeah. shoot and like shoot it, like you know, because it's it'll be a lot of fun to like be in the same room with him. Because I got a chance to do his podcast, uh, like the day before COVID, like right before COVID hit hit. What was which was the same night we'd uh, shot my billions episode, not my billions episode, the episode that I was on. It's um, your billions and, episode, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I just knew that you know he'd be a lot of fun as a guest, but. Um, you know everything that's going on. You know we we still got him. You know here on the Zoom. So he's just he's just as fun. So
1: yeah, and we'll get him in person again after we ask him all about when is Billions coming back? You guys will want that answer? How's the show going to end? When it will end? We ask him all that. Plus, as C he said, he's a huge sports fan and has some amazing stories and insights into that. So without further ado, here is Brian Koppelman on R two C two i'm diving right in by showing you this brian look what i got going today i got my royale mug (laughs) today my man
2: you're a good man (laughs) (laughs) we raised a lot of money for the food bank in new york with that and a lot of awareness you know that was a a great and easy way to uh get people to, to to help get people have a sense of community and to do something useful. You know, it started, I was just, all of us were so in the beginning of this isolated, man. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's great to be here with the two of you, by the way. This is super fun for me. Cece, you did my podcast. It was a great episode. And then you got the cameo on the show. Yes. I'm thrilled to be here with both you and Ryan. I'm, you know, as you know, a longtime, uh fan. So thanks, man. Here's what's been going on. Uh, at the beginning of COVID, everybody was so isolated and felt. So uh, not only alone, but sort of like lonely and alone. And a friend of mine knew that I had this ritual. You know, when I would have coffee in the morning, I I made it special. I called it the Royale. And a friend said, why don't you share the picture? Encourage other people to share their pictures as a way so we all feel like we're having coffee together. And so I did it for a while. And then I let people just run with it. But then some other friend was like, you should make mugs. And then some other guy said, I'll design the mug. And I realized I could raise money for the food bank if I did that. So we did the mugs, ran it for a little while. I sold thousands of them, you know, raised good dough for the food bank and felt everyone felt like it was a big sort of a, a win. And I was shocked by the way that it brought people together, that it worked. Yeah, way.
0: yeah, that, that's that's a cool thing. And, and like we saw each other really right the day before everything shut down and we didn't know like what was going on, handshaking, like fist bumping. <laughs> like it was a we- it was such a weird time. You know, shooting the show and doing the podcast. I mean, I'm I'm glad we, you know, we were able to do everything, but it was just like everything was up in the air at that point. It was so crazy.
2: That was under the wire that we shut down the next day, CC. You know, Dave yeah. and I that night, I remember that night walking around that space. And uh, you know, that was a weird night because it was a party scene and, and it was March eighth, I think. And yeah. because I think we shut down the next day, the ninth and or the tenth, right in there. And I remember walking around thinking, cause I'd been reading about, you know, uh, anyone who's followed me on Twitter knows I put a list up Jan, t- January 26th of the smartest experts in the world on coronaviruses. We hadn't even like named it COVID yet. Mm. And, uh, because I saw it was happening. So I was tracking it super closely. And I remember that night, I think you and I did fist bump in my office when we just did the podcast. But by the time we were on set that night, everybody was trying to keep their distance and be respectful. Um, and uh, it was great to see you and the commenter together. That was perfect.
0: Yeah, that was awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's so it's so wild to think back at that time, Brian. And I actually, you were one of my initial primary resources for COVID information. And a lot of the people I ended up following on Twitter were built out of me seeing who you were following. And it's so interesting because I have found, and you know, now I'm back doing play by play and whatever, but for four and a half months, I was basically reading science preprints every day for hours, you know? And so it's funny. Cause I talked to see about T cell immunity, like weeks before it yeah. came out. And I was like, watch, watch what's going to happen. Cause I was reading all this stuff, but it, it, it's interesting because it, in a time where social media, I, I think obviously there's so much sludge, right. And there's so much negativity where It helps is like, in this case, scientific information, where I don't have to go to any mainstream network, no matter where they lean, to get my science, right? You can go on Twitter, hey, here's a base of experts who really know this stuff, and follow them, and get real information from them, and have a more informed feel,
2: you know? Yeah, that was, because I, I, I started reading about all the stuff in early, really in December, I started reading about it, and then in January, I started reading more, and I realized all right, I need to for myself separate the hype from the reality. I need to for myself figure out who I can really trust because in all areas of my life and what I do, I try to do. We all do that, right? I mean, you mm. know, you you want to learn to add uh, a pitch to your repertoire. You're gonna you're gonna talk to someone who knows how to throw that pitch and knows how to teach it, yeah. and you're not just gonna pull up some random YouTube video. <laughs> hey, Cece, there's one question I didn't ask you on the podcast, but I think your listeners would want to know the answer to this, and. Um, uh-huh. But it's a, a a base, really a baseball question. I was because I, I was listening the other day to um, Boris Becker and Andre Agassi talking, and and Becker said that years later he could never understand how Andre knew when he was going to hit to the ad court to the hit a serve outside versus a serve inside, and Andre said I waited till Becker retired. I was never going to say it, but he did something different with his tongue. When he was going to hit it outside, he would it's an amazing interview. Agassi goes, I realized wow. he would stick his tongue slightly out when he was going to serve wide. And so I would just be ready wow. with the forehand. He goes, And I, he goes, I had that on him for our entire career. He goes, I figured it out like the first year that I ever played against him. I never told him. And, and Becker said he would go home and say to his wife, How the fuck does Andre always know? <laughs> I can't get it served by Andre. So, CeCe, do you ever pick shit up like that on a batter where you know what they're looking for? Do batters look for shit like that on pitchers?
0: Yeah, batters do, but it's more so where hitters know, like, if you're tipping your pitch. It's almost like tipping your pitch. So, if I do something... So, if I do so, if I have my glove like this on a fastball and it turns just this much on a cutter or a slider, like, guys will pick that up. Guys like Carlos Beltran, um, when I play with him, like, I would do that. So, like, on my cutter... My my glove would be like this, and on my fastball would be straight up like that. And he he picked it up right away, and little stuff like that. So you play with certain guys that have that high baseball IQ that can tell you, like, or guys that you played against, you know, in the in the division, and they'll tell you once they get on your team, like, hey, you're doing this, you're doing that. So it's more so the hitters know what we're doing. it's it's, it's, it's basically tipping your pitches. You know that's that's what Andre had on him.
2: Do coaches look for like do coaches on your team look for that stuff to, to say Hey, Cece, watch it when you're throwing a a curveball. You're doing this when you're throwing a cutter. You're doing that.
0: You know what? It's always one coach. So like mm-hmm. for a long time, um, when I was a Yankee, it was Tony Pena. Tony Pena was quick with pick, uh, picking up tips. And after that, it would. So after that, it was Marcus. Marcus Tim's later in my career. So it's always one guy that's really good at at picking up the tips. And he and, and he you know can relay it to to the pitchers or whoever else needs it.
2: It's so hard. Like I know from poker, it's just so hard to keep that stuff off of your body, and we have no idea that we're doing it. But I mean, you mentioned Boris Becker, number one tennis player. You know all those Wimbledon titles, and here he's sticking his tongue out.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to me. It, yeah. it is crazy, but it's even better for Andre to pick that up. You know what I'm saying? Like it's even higher IQ for him to pick that up, and like, hey, like I got this little advantage over this guy, like. And, and he, you know, he had that his whole career. That's...
2: And never to say it.
0: Oh, of course not. No.
2: Keep it. And I'm just, not tell any other player in the locker room. I mean, that's hard. Like, you think, of course, but that's, like, I know from poker, if I picked up a really bad tell on someone and my friend, I would be tempted to be like, hey, every time Andy um, has a hand, you know, he lifts his card slightly. But, like, to, to just keep it to yourself for, like, those guys played against each other for, like, 12 years. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's so deep. The better you keep it to yourself, the the less chance the guy has of getting it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if I if I'm playing against Detroit and I'm tipping my pitches and they have somebody that comes over to our team, you know, it's up to him to tell me, or or if he doesn't, then I'll never know. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it's it's crazy. Do
2: you look for that on your own? Like when you're when you're watching film, do you try to see if you're tipping, or do you can't see yourself that way?
0: It depends on how I'm pitching. If I was if I was pitching bad, then I was like, "That's got to be something." Like these motherfuckers got <laughs> these motherfuckers got my pitches, man. Like, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I'm pitching good, I didn't care, you know what I mean. But I was always trying to find the excuse of why I was giving up runs. So yeah, that was the first thing I always went to.
1: You know what? See, I always wondered with like tipping. If all of a sudden you know, like let's say Beltron tells you like, "Hey, your glove's tilted when you're throwing your cutter, rather than straight up when you're throwing your fastball," like how much harder is it then to just perform? Like, because now you're on the mound. Are you thinking about this? Like, how easy is it to all of a sudden, you know, readjust it to muscle memory rather than have it distracting from you just being inside the performance?
0: When it's something small like that, like with me, it was before my my delivery started. It made it easy. Like, I just, Mm. you know, just make sure that I have it up. But if it's something, if it's a tip within your delivery, like Mm -hmm. say you're not hiding the ball or you know, something's happening different when you bring the ball out of your glove, that can be a little harder because then you're changing your mechanics. Like, for me, it was just this to this. You know, like, that's pretty simple. And I always tried to keep, like, a real stiff glove. So I would always use, like, a glove for, like, three or four starts and then throw it out because I, I didn't want my my glove to move when I grabbed my changeup. Like, I always felt like guys can see your glove moving when you're trying to grab different pitches. So I would always try to keep it as still as possible, but it would just be turned like this every now and again. So... It wasn't like within my mechanics. It was just something quick that I could fix. But if it's something that's in your mechanics, like when when Brandy uh, Johnson was tipping his pitches, what he was doing, like yeah. trying to change his mechanics, that that makes it hard. Oh, so interesting.
2: I I could listen to this. I swear, right? Right. isn't it great, Brian? <laughs> I could literally dive so deep into
1: this. It's funny because right, if you're in, if you're in like. Film, music, right? You want to know about sports, right? And if you're in sports, you love hearing like the X's and O's of of well, the I'm entertainment such a sports industry. Sports fanatic, and I've I have played know
2: Sports my whole life, and so this stuff is always just endlessly interesting to me.
1: Oh, it's awesome. So, Brian, give our audience an idea because I know you're a Yankees fan, but like, give give our our audience an idea for the teams that you watch, root
2: for or the or the sports you're into. So, yeah, the the my favorite sports team if I'm being just truly so lifelong, my favorite sports team is the Knicks. There's no, Oh damn. I hate Dolan so much that I can't, you know, I think Dolan's are really not just the worst owner. Like I think he's a bad person. I just hate them. So it's very painful. So the team's so mismanaged and they've just kind of just fuck up over and over again, every decision possible. (laughs) So I'm a huge (laughs) basketball fan, right? Come to Brooklyn, Bri. We could, we'll take you
1: in Brooklyn, bro.
2: I know and I love, I like Sean Marks and I like yeah. Rich Cow, who works yeah. with Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hip to the whole nets situation and I'll be at some nets games this year. Nice. And I've heard some great rumblings about the future there. And it's all exciting stuff. I'm friends with some NBA ball players. I have some idea who might be going. Does it rhyme <laughs> with
1: Lopovich? <laughs>
2: a lot of, a lot of interesting, interesting stuff that I've, I've heard. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so I, I, I'm into. That. So I love the, I love the Knicks. Uh, but Tiger Woods, my favorite sports team, uh, mm. really active favorite sports team. Like I'm following. If I could just look over, I'd be following Tiger Tracker on Twitter to see how he's <laughs> doing today. Like I know he made par on the first, missed a birdie by two inches. Um, I love the Jets and I love uh, the Yankees. Uh, you know, the Yankees broke my heart as a kid when they let Reggie leave. Uh, You know, Mm. Reggie coming to the Yankees was such a big deal for people my age. I'm 54 years old, so I'm 10 and 76. You know, Uh, when Chris Shambliss hit the home run, I'm 9, 10 years old, and those teams mattered so much to me. Uh, I could still, you know, I still could imitate Roy White's batting stance and Mickey Rivers' batting stance, and I know every player on those teams. Uh, And then when they let Reggie go, even as a kid, I felt like that was some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you let this guy? He hit. The, I was at the game where he hit the three home runs. My dad. Oh took wow! Like, oh. oh wow!
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah,
2: you can see us on the highlights. Um, I'm on the first base side. I'm wearing a big, huge down jacket, like orange. And my dad and I are there. And as a kid, I was able to see myself when that got replayed. Um, so I, I was at that game, and then when they let him go, I became a Mets fan for like the second they let him go. I was like, fuck that! I'm a Mets fan," which was not bad because I got to ride that through college when they won in '86. But the <laughs> but the Yankees. The Yankees are like Darth, Darth Vader. Uh, they're like the dark side of the force, and they eventually just bring you back. You know, you can't really avoid the, the Yankees. So uh, I, I dig the Yankees, too. Um, I'm not really a hockey fan. Like, I can root for either New York team. And I don't hate the Giants. I can root for the Giants, even though I'm a Jets fan. You know, I'm lucky that I've had the Yankees because at least it's one winning team. All my other teams, I mean, not Tiger, but all the other, like, teams <laughs> are, are losing teams. And I'm a huge tennis fan, too. Like, I watch a ton of tennis. I play a ton of tennis. And um, I think that tennis is such an incredibly... Like, in America, we think of it as uh, an effete sport. We think of it as a sport that is, like, played by only upper-class people or something like that. But what a hard game. It's got all the hard parts of all the other sports. The ball's moving so fast, but when you serve, it's not moving, and, and you have to generate. And so it's mentally very difficult game. And you have to have incredible. CC, do you play at all?
0: I want to try to get into it. I just joined my country club over here, so I want to try to get playing. I don't know if I can, if my knees can handle it, though. I'm a little nervous.
2: I think you'd be, you'll be fine, uh, uh, Steve. I know Steve Nash took it up three, four. We've talked about it a bunch three, four years ago, and uh, he says he's pretty good already. He's playing like five <laughs> days a week. I, th-
0: I think I, I think I'm gonna have to serve right handed, which I know I can do, but um, I think for your shoulder. Yeah, for my shoulder, which I mean, but I'm but my my this one's stronger anyway, so I'll be fine. How do you do? You shoot a basketball right or left? Both, but I mean, if I was going to shoot deep, it would be lefty. But if you
2: a ten like a ten foot turnaround, can you shoot with your right hand?
0: Yeah, I'm super weird. Like like I can. I mean, I like a right right handed, eat right handed, kick right footed around the basket. I can pretty much do everything with both hands. If I get deeper out then I have to shoot left-handed, but about 10 feet I can shoot right-handed for you, sure.
1: You got to see Brian on the group chat. Uh, I don't know what it was, maybe a year ago, maybe it was like 8 months ago. C was sending us highlights of of his high school hoops coverage, man. <laughs> he, he
2: I mean he's a ridiculous oh, athlete. I got to see that. I know. Yeah. I know he's yeah. I, I know how good an athlete. Yeah, course. no. Like, well, it's amazing to be like the best performers in every sport. So I saw this clip online the other day of Roger Federer shooting hoops. Yeah. And I sent it to my because you know he's from so I sent it to my son. I was like, I'm shocked, but I shouldn't be shocked. Yeah, right? right. <laughs> he has perfect form, and yeah. a, he looks like a basketball player, Roger Federer. I mean, he shoots it perfectly, but yeah. it's like, of course he does. He's like the best athlete who ever lived. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Why wouldn't he be able to shoot a basketball? But it doesn't seem like it. You know, mm-hmm. you can't picture it.
0: Yeah, it's but it's but it's because it's it's weird because a lot of like basketball players or football players can't play other sports. It's always the other sports that can play football and basketball, because we all grew up playing football and basketball. But then we get into other sports, whether it's tennis or soccer or whatever else. So we always have that skill as opposed to those guys having the baseball skill or the golf skill or whatever, because
2: you know what I mean? Yeah, But the funny thing for me is so Bomani Jones and I were just talking about this because we had it when when two guys who are kind of friends who are friends, the first time they have a catch. It's a big moment because if you go to throw that football and you can't throw it, it changes the friendship. Everything, for sure, yes. The friendship's kind of different. So Bo Bo was down at my house last summer and I had a football and I, and I, I remember thinking to myself, man, I hope O'Mani can catch. You know, And I <laughs> threw it to him, and he caught it, and he threw it back in a spiral, and I can catch, and I caught it. And both of us were like, okay, this could be real. <laughs> you know, we, we, we good now. <laughs> but what's so funny is when you have a cat, when you go to throw a ball to a guy, even an NFL guy who is a lineman, see, you know this, a lot of them can't throw.
0: No, no, or catch it.
2: Worse than a guy on your flag football team when you were in college or something, Ryan, you know, yeah. and so you'll go to some, some guy who can obviously run a, a 40 and four t- you know, 25 times a better athlete than me. And I'm like, Hey, throw the ball. And they're just like, <laughs> it comes like a knuckler and then you throw it to them and they get yeah, them. They can't, ca- they can't bring it in. And it's so
0: strange. What's crazy is about, about three years ago, I had a buddy that lives here. I'm not going to say his name cause he <laughs> listens to the pod and he was like, Hey, I want to come work out with you. I play catch with you, blah, blah, blah whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. So he comes, he works out, does have to work out. And he was like, like dead after half the workout. And he comes in, he's like, all right, so let's play catch. So I throw the ball to him like twice. The first one went right by his head. (laughs) And the second one, he barely caught. So then I go out, I get my 13. My son was 13 at the time. I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm gonna go play catch with like little C. He comes in, plays perfect catch with me. And then- No,
2: you have to know, like you have to know your, like. I did did it for JJ last year. I I said Mm -hmm. to JJ- I'd love to go do, when you do your shooting workout, can I come rebound for you? Mm. And I took it so fucking seriously, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just so seriously. Because if you're going to, so I, I like, I was like, where, how, where do you want the ball? How do you want, because like, this is his workout. This is his, Yeah. you know, 60 minutes of going to kill himself in the gym. And you got to, I, I would love to, I would love to have a catch sometime, but in the beginning, you'd have to just warm up a little slow so I can handle the pace. <laughs> well,
0: yeah. now, now it don't matter. My shoulder's broke, so I can't throw a ball without an arch in it anyway, so we good.
2: We saw that on Yankee Stadium's mound, man.
0: Right? I, <laughs> I, I, I bounced the fucking first pitch. So.
2: <laughs> well, I'm so nervous about that first pitch, because like, I can really, honest to God, I'm not as fast, I'm slow as shit, I know exactly my limitations as an athlete. I'm really slow, I can't jump. But I can really throw and catch for a regular yeah. person, not for yeah. a but I can really throw and catch. And you're a good basketball player too, right? Yeah. You're a good I can play player. Yeah. 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 Like I yeah. would beat Dominique Wilkins in shooting horse. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty solid. Yeah. I can shoot, but again, I'm slow. So like, you know, and I don't have a great handle. But yes, I can really shoot a basketball and I can really throw and catch. Just for a regular person, not for an athlete. Yeah. But I'm always been terrified of of what happens under the pressure. Of the, so what happens, see, when you've seen guys who you know, you see them warming up before they go out to throw the first the first pitch, what happens when they go to throw the first? Because I've been scared. Like, okay, if someone asked me to throw a first pitch, I would have to do it, and yeah. I can reach. Like, I played third base. I can reach. In softball, even, I played third base, you know, two years ago, and I could reach. No problem. But I'm so scared that I'd go out there and fucking throw it to first base when I was trying to throw it <laughs> yeah. to her.
0: You know what was crazy is that I was that guy about two weeks ago. They, they asked me to throw out the first pitch. I, and I went and warmed up, like I was down there, like actually fucking warming up. And, and I was like, all right, I'm good. Like I got it. Like like I can, like I know I can make it reach. You know what I'm saying? Like for sure I can make it fucking reach to the plate. Like I should be able to make it reach to the plate. So I get out there and I'm walking. I'm like, fuck, this is kind of like this is farther than I remember. Like I got to the mound and I was like, man, I should be on the grass. Like I am not. This shit is not going to reach. And I get like halfway through my throw motion. I'm like, oh shit. I hope Garrett, like, scoops this fucking thing because if it gets by him and goes down to the back, then I'm Fauci. Like, this is, a fucking, this is the worst fucking first pitch ever, man. It was it was just a little further than I thought. Like, if I would have lobbed it higher, I probably would have made it, but I haven't thrown a baseball since I broke my shoulder at, in, in October. So Did you feel pressure? A, 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 a huge amount of pressure, and it was nobody in the stadium. It was just my teammates, and I, and I know they were laughing because I turned around, I seen Hixie in the center field. He was fucking cracking up. Him and Gio. I was like, man, fuck you guys.
2: Because <laughs> also, if you're not used to throwing it from a mound, so you think the advice is if, so, if someone should stand in front of the mound?
0: No, I, if, if you do it, you should throw it, but throw it hard. Like, don't try to lob don't it. Yeah. Throw that motherfucker hard. Just throw a strike. You know what I'm saying? Don't try to lob it. Don't think about it. But, like, just really throw it. Like, let it go. The NBA playoffs
1: are here, and FanDuel Sportsbook has a slam dunk offer you will not want to miss. Right now, new users can get special plus 2,000 odds on any team to make the NBA Finals. Just pick any team, then bet $10 bucks for your chance to win $200 if they make it. This offer is even available on favorites like the Bucks and the Lakers. The ball is in your court. FanDuel is easy to use, and there are more ways to fund your account. Unlike other sportsbooks, FanDuel accepts most major payment options. You can bet spreads, money lines, parlays, and more. Promotions available for new and existing users. Type in FanDuel.com R2C2 to get started so they know we sent you. That's FanDuel.com R2C2. FanDuel Sportsbook. More ways to win. Must be 21 or older, present in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. New users only. Must wager on designated boost market. Max bonus $200. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Brian, I got to ask, because we're talking kind of about like some, you know, sort of like some intrinsic skills, personality dynamics in different fields. I've always wondered this. When you when you deal with actors right like growing up most people who are into theater let's say and acting at, when you're growing up they are and i and i acted you know just in my high school plays and that kind of stuff right or or middle school plays whatever but like most people who are really into it growing up like they're they're not necessarily the cool kids in school right like they're a little bit more i don't know what you want to say they're they're a little bit more niche in their like in their friendship dynamics they're their cliques, whatever. And then obviously you get to Hollywood and if you've made it to that level and now you are like the most popular person, right? In the most popular group, lionized by the most people when it comes to sort of that cultural dynamic. Do you find like most of the actors you deal with, are they the people who were like, kind of like on the nerdier theater recluse side or were they cool kids growing up? Were they the popular kids growing up or what's the, the dynamics of that, would you say?
2: It's funny, I think it applies to the people I write about more, the hedge fund guys, right, who yeah. who have become now at the center of the world but were a largely nerdier people or people who didn't have the best social skills, some of them. I mean, then there's someone like Mark Lazary, who obviously always was able to get along with people because his incredible skill is the way he can bond with people. Um, no, but, but remember, theater people um, have their own group so they're not really outcasts they we we find our you know i remember my junior year i was so i was on the basketball team and the junior year i made varsity and and had to decide but they picked one junior got to direct what was called the junior musical and it was something you know your whole life if you were in theater and my you know your kid you were like well, someday I want to direct the junior musical if they pick me. And I got picked to direct the junior musical, but I also made varsity and we were uh senior year. We finished eighth in the state for private school. So it was a good team and I was not going to play a lot. Like I would have been the 12th man or the 11th man on the team. And I had to make that decision mm. and I decided to direct the play. I got offered to direct the play. And I was like, well, and the coach said, you know, you might not make the varsity in 12th. There's no, you know, if you make varsity 11th, you're on the team in 12th grade. If you choose not to play in 11th grade, there's just why put you on the team. I'm probably going to give the spot to someone who's going to grow into it because you're not going to play a lot. So why would I put you on the team? You know, but I picked the play, which is to say that I was somehow in between both of those worlds. Um, and you know, I played a couple of varsity sports and I was in every play, uh, and, uh, so you felt yourself tied to it like i think artists are outsiders even though so i would say this i was never one of the athletes, the kids who was in the group of kids who were on the sports teams i played on the teams i played ball with everybody but that was not my crew my crew was the theater people mm. my crew was the people who were into music and art i just happened to be a decent enough athlete that i could play but that wasn't those that's not where I live. Yeah, if yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah it, it, it protected me in some degree because, like, I could, you know, like I could go and play. I was okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. For a lot of kids, when you're very young, it's brutal if you can't. But my dad was a my dad wanted to be a my, was supposed to be a gym teacher. So I was lucky in that I grew up with somebody who just was. He pitched. My dad pitched in the army in this Coast oh, Guard. Wow. So oh, that's awesome. So my yeah, my dad that's had a really awesome. good sinker. He had a great sinker. Yeah. And so I was catching for him as a kid and, and, and he taught me to, I was not a good enough pitcher. Like I remember getting, I remember getting wrecked when I was 11 years old and realizing <laughs> like mentally this is bad for me. Cause I was a pitcher. I was decent yeah. control, but I could not, I just couldn't throw hard enough. And I mean, I remember this little kid just taking me just fully, just crushing a ball and just that feeling of standing on the mound when um, everybody's just, you know, the kid hits a home run and you just feel like such a dick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had that feeling. Trust me. <laughs> it's just such
2: a lonely, isn't it, though? It's the lo- even, even for one of the greatest pitchers who ever lived, it's a terrible feeling. Oh, man,
0: when I was 10 years old, so I played, my Little League was really, really good. And when I was 10, I probably wasn't good enough to play in the majors, like, as a pitcher. But you know I was I was there so they they put me on the mound and I gave up a lot of home runs a lot of runs and I would be out there fucking crying standing on the mound my mom would take take me off the fucking field all kind of shit but it was hard to like to deal with that failure at you know at that young age
2: This was mm-hmm. my torture as an okay so this was my torture as an athlete I was always just good enough to get really burned by the guys who were really good <laughs> I remember <Yeah>. in basketball <laughs> playing I had to guard like there was this one league I was in where 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 the teams were picked like um the team that picked first got the first you know the first pick and then whatever the team that was last in the basketball league got the 10th and 11th pick so I was like the 11th pick and and and, and uh but I had to we played in the championship of that league we played the number one team with the number one kid, and I was chosen to guard him, and he scored 53 on me. Oh, shit.
1: <laughs> That's a lot, bro. That's a lot.
2: <laughs> we were like, I was like 12 years old or something like that. Oh my God. I remember looking over to the bench to the coach. It was just some kid's dad. Just like, do you think it should switch? Right? What are you doing?
0: Like- Can we double this guy,
2: please? <laughs> And he went out to play D1. I mean, I, there was nothing I could do, no. but he scored 53. You never forget that. Like, no, if someone no, dropped never. 53 points on you at 12 years old, you just never forget it. And maybe that's one of the things that made me know I should direct the play instead of
0: playing the <laughs> basketball. You know what I mean? You know, it's crazy. Back to your, your, your original question, Ryan. My, yeah. I grew up with a buddy. His name was Ja'Cory Gums, And he was a good athlete. He played football. We played soccer. Um, he was a good baseball player. And in about the 10th grade, he was a child actor. He acted, you know, ever since we were, like, five, six years old. And he would go back and forth to L.A. and and do different shows. And when we were about the 10th grade, I remember he went to my rival high school. And I remember, uh, like, just hearing, like, he wasn't going to play football. Like, he was going to turn into, like, a full-time actor. Mm. And everybody was, like, like, it was, like, a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Because he was a good player. And it ended up protecting him and helping him because he had two separate groups of friends. He had the athletes. Yeah. And then he had his drama and theater friends that, like, it would kind of merge both his worlds. And, I mean, it ended up working out fine for him. But so it was—he uh, was one of those guys that could do both.
2: It is a great thing if you can—I mean, just as a life thing, like, I do think for anyone who's, like, my age or a little younger who has kids, it is a great thing to have your kids exposed to both, mm. to all of it. it it's helped me— I, both things like being in plays and learning about that and get, you know, trying out for a part and not getting it. And then realizing the next year, maybe you can. And then learning, learning about that side of yourself. And then the things you get out of like, I haven't spoken to the guy like in, in like the guys on the tennis team where we were like, if I see the guys, even I played basketball with, like you have these, these connections to people. From both of these worlds, you know, the people I did plays with, I, I am so bonded with them. And mm. still, if I see someone like that, it's like there's a real connection of like, as a kid, doing something together that's hard and that has pressure attached to it. Because, you know, that Friday night comes, you've got to put that fucking play on. Hell yeah, yeah man. Yeah. And you have to know where to go and you have to be able to catch your friend if they forget the words. and there's something about all those experiences that is just so valuable, I think. And, and again, both sides of it, you know, growing up, even when I was slow and I would lose running rate, like getting up again and, and, you know, giving up a home run and then fucking having to go back out there and pitch again, even though like I was not someone who became a pitcher, that's an incredibly valuable thing in life for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The notion of the next time you have to show up and walk out to that mound. And, and, you know, like I said, I knew I was no great pitcher. I just was like, unfortunately for our team, I threw the best out of the nine dudes who were showing up. So, like, I wasn't, that didn't mean I was good. I was terrible. I was just better than the other guy. I had no choice. And, you know, I had to show up and try again. And that is a really valuable lesson for life.
1: You you, you know what's interesting about that, Brian? Like, I always, when I talk about, like, preparation for broadcasts, and because, like, you know, on a most, um, on the most general, uh, you know, description you could give, if you talk about, like, what's key, for play-by-play, play, right, or for broadcasting, you'd say, well, you have to be prepared, first and foremost, and and the the analogy I always use when it comes to, like, speech-giving is, like, acting in a play. Like, you wouldn't get on the stage and not know your lines, you know? It's about figuring out how you do that without it sounding rehearsed, even though you have, right? And, and that has obviously become applicable in my own career in a million different ways but the other thing as you say that that i think about because i did act in plays growing up and i played sports as well is the high the performance high and that's something i still chase and and kind of live for to this day like like i love that high of when i was you know when i had a big part in a play and i get done and that feeling of like everybody is like riding high and it's amazing just like if you get a game-winning hit you know, and I get, I, I'm, a, I'm jumping up and down with my teammates. And now for me, that's like calling a game-winning shot. And then you're with your crew like, oh, we nailed it. And there is a very unique element to live performance that threads throughout all these careers, right? No matter what actual sect it's in.
2: Cece, you must relate to that completely.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I have, uh, you know, my 14-year-old, she is an actress. She's an actress. She plays and plays. And she plays basketball. And yeah. I was asking her like, what does she enjoy more? And she said both. They both bring me, you know, the same type of enjoyment. And she goes to French Woods in the summer, which is a uh, Broadway camp. But she does basketball in, in her in her uh, extra time. You know what I'm saying? Like when she's at camp, she signs up to play basketball in her extra time. When she's not doing the play, so she does both, and she loves both, and it keeps her. Keeps it, keeps it going. I went yeah. to a camp
2: like that in Canada called Manitouabing where we had, we could, you could have, you could pick two things and I picked basketball, I, I was basketball and theater, right? You could do both of those things. And then I did tennis too. You could do all that. And it's still that, that thing you're talking about is, it's still like, um, the feeling of pressure, a certain kind of pressure that you have to uh, rise to. Like, I still love if I'm in a competitive tennis match, Yeah, I have to hit a hard second serve. Because it's still fucking hard to do. Yeah, it's still fucking hard to hit the serve in the box, even though it doesn't matter, right? I I, win, I lose. There's no stakes to it at all. But somehow you start to get, uh, you start to get a little bit tight, and you you feel like, oh, why am I? am feeling tight. Okay, well, I got to keep my wrists moving through the serve, and I got to really figure out how to hit this kick serve in the box, and like that feeling, whether you get it right or you get it wrong, you learn something about yourself, and you challenge yourself, and I agree with you, man, you get hot there's a certain kind of high you get yeah. out of out of engaging and trying to make yourself better,
0: you know what's crazy is that I, I like i I'm starting to play golf and I want to play tennis I want to get into other things when I'm done, but I don't want that pressure like I don't want to feel that because <laughs> ser- no seriously though like I yeah. felt that from the time I was eight years old until the time I was thirty nine yeah you know what I'm saying, so I'm not chasing that like.
2: Let me give you one piece of advice. Don't pick up the golf clubs ever again. <laughs> <laughs> There's no avoiding it at golf. Oh my God. Golf, I hate it because golf is so. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. If you didn't take up golf as a kid, I, I have a couple of friends who are great who didn't, but mostly you got to take it up as a kid. Oh and that's man. the thing. That's my big advantage in tennis is like, I just have played it my entire life. So even if I suck on a day, I still know how to play. Golf is totally different. Yeah. So hard. I love golf, but it is just
0: impossible. And golf is just like pitching. It's one pitch at a time, one swing at a time. you on to the next. Like, it's just, it's literally head, the right? same. Yeah. It's the yeah. same fucking mental yeah. as pitching, and I fucking hate it. No, but you're going to get great at it because
2: you're one of the great athletes in the world. And then the problem is, have you? Brought, what's your best score you've ever shot? 94. Right. So when you're going to be at a place where you're going to be able to get like, let's say you could break 80, break 40 on a nine, which Mm -hmm. is going to happen really soon for you. When you're standing over a six footer to shoot 39, because I've been in that spot and I've done it, but it took me like six times to do it. (laughs) Like having a four footer to, you can't believe, I don't, do you guys watch the U.S. Amateur? I didn't watch it the other day, but
1: I do like golf and watch it. Yeah.
2: The US amateur, which is yeah. the, these kids, you know, they just, they're all yeah. they want. If they're two is to. F- so this kid has a, a two footer to go up two with three holes to m- remaining after they've played 30, you know, they played 36. And he fucking jacked a two footer. He missed a
0: two footer. <laughs> oh, man.
2: I felt so bad. He won. He got it together and won. But he missed a two footer. And like he just, I crumbled up into a ball for this poor kid, man. Yeah. yeah. But then it, you know what that felt like, CC. right? Hell yeah. How, how am I going to get the club back even?
0: But even like at, at that young, like at, at being on TV, like, I mean, we failed. You know, you talk about giving up home runs at 11 in the Little League. Nobody's seen that shit. I gave up a million home runs when I was 10. Nobody's seen it. But if it was on TV, it's hard to come back from that. You look know, missing big free throws in the NCAA tournament. Or, you know, when you're that yeah. young and you have a, a, like, a when you, when you, when you mess up like that, when you're that young, it's really extremely hard to come back from when you're in your teens, for sure. I oh.
2: agree. I think it's, I, I just, you just feel, but that's the problem with golf. Like, I can so remember two-footers I've missed in golf, even though I could make a hundred two-footers right now. If I went <laughs> to a putting green, like, there's not even hard, there's nothing hard about it, except it's hard when you want to shoot 39.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Now it's in your head.
2: Now it's really hard to not have your fucking thing get yippy, man. Yeah, yeah
1: Brian, got we got to ask you some billions things because it's the, it's the best show on TV. I it mean, really it really is. It, 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 Brian, it's un but every single episode, you guys pay off. it's It's ridiculous. I always say, like I, I've never seen a TV show deliver so consistently, like episode in episode out. You guys got through half your season essentially this year, right? So how so right now? you know, we're recording this in, you know, the third week of August. Where, where are you guys at with when you can continue, how you continue? What does that landscape look like right now?
2: Ryan, we don't, we just don't know. We've written, the end of the season's written. Yeah. We're already writing season six now. We do Zoom, our writer's room is on Zoom, you know, like this. And 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 um, we can't go back until we understand how to go back. Yeah, We're all working really hard to get our arms around it and figure it out. We all want to be shooting the show, and we'll shoot the show as soon as we possibly can. I don't want to. Um, I don't even want to say anything because I have no idea what's possible. I'm really interested to see how it works out on shows that are shooting now, things yeah. that have started, however they've been able to. But we're all talking. We're talking to the network every day. We're talking to our producing partners every day. We're talking to the cast, and we're all trying to figure it out. It's very, you know. Look, I have a couple things to say about it. obviously it's frustrating we want to deliver the show to our audience we've written it so we really just want to just put it on its feet and shoot it uh but the health and safety of our cast and crew is so important to us also i'm in such a privileged position right my i'm able to make the show that i dreamed of making i have a had a long career i'm not under tremendous financial strain right so my pro i mean i don't know i can't whine about this compared to the way most of america has to deal with this i'm in a pretty good spot yeah i i you know a friend of mine called me yesterday and was yelling at me like i don't fucking, i want your show i need your show and i <laughs> i and he wasn't joking around he was serious and i understand it i do know like when my favorite shows aren't on how much i want to see them and i i actually do understand that for an hour on a sunday night you can watch billions and be completely diverted from your life and i'm my wife my wife uh is a huge sports fan and when the NBA come back, came back, we sat down and watched a Houston game. And she turned to me, and, and our kids were around too, and she said, you know, these people are heroes for going back. And at first I was like, well, I don't know about heroes. They're getting and then I thought about it for two seconds, and I was like, no, it is fucking heroic. They're, they're going back because they're getting paid, and it's what they love to do. But also, man, that really is a gift to us. It's a huge gift to be able to watch Luka Doncic right now. It's a, oh. huge, it's a huge gift to be able to watch James Harden right now, for me. Uh, that's a huge gift. And, uh, I really, uh, and it's amazing to me because James Harden has now made me like Russell Westbrook, who I always hated. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because he only, to me, he's only after him. He's only out for himself, Russell Westbrook. And I've just always thought he only wanted more for Russ. Like, I think he's why they had to break that thing up with the three guys. And, and, but, but I've watched what he's done with Harden and I've come to see that maybe he felt he had to do that in Oklahoma City, and that because with James Harden, he's not hogging the ball russell Westbrook he's 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 contributing. you You always feel sympathetic to him, CC?
0: I just think that he they were all so young. like he was just trying to figure out everything. Obviously he's playing with a superstar in KD, and he had James Harden on his team, and he was trying to figure out his star in himself. so and he's got the ball in his hand. So I just love how hard he plays. and he and he like he, the way he competes. I love that. Him, Dame Lillard, like they don't need no friends. They don't give a fuck about liking you, you liking me. I'm I'm here to whoop your ass and that's it. And and I love, love
2: CJ. That. I love CJ personally. Like I, I texted CJ after the game and he te- to tell him like how happy I was for him when they won the play-in game and stuff. And I I CJ's great and Dame is great. I love that team. they yeah. I love that team. No, but but uh but I do think that what I so I do understand that 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 people you know, when you're in entertainment or when you're in sports, you're always aware that what you're doing, we're, we're all, we're, you know, overpaid for what we do, though. I won't say that. to I'm underpaid. Them look <laughs> do you know, like, it's the thing I love to do and I would do it for free, all that stuff, yeah. as, as you guys are. But then there is, I do also get that that that, that people, uh, in the same way that I want sports, you know, the same way that when I, I know Tiger's going to be on. It's something that can take my day into a new place. So I do understand our show has the ability to do that for people. And so I want to bring the show back because I want to do that for people. And, and I do think, CeCe, you're right about uh, Russ. That's what I've come to realize about Russ. And the truth is I always like Carmelo less. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I know everyone says Carmelo is the sweetest man, and I'm sure that he is the sweetest man in real life. Uh, he's rolling in Portland, too. He's playing well with that group, he's man. He's rolling. Rolling. But uh, but Westbrook on Houston, and I love I, I, the thing. I really don't understand is why people don't like James Harden. This makes no sense to me. You're talking about a guy who just dominates the game, and his team wins.
0: They win until the playoffs, though. He don't dominate the games in the playoffs. I think we're
2: gonna see something different this playoff.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's the 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 quarantine ball, the, the bubble ball is a lot better. I like bubble ball. Like uh, it's wide open. Anybody can win this. There's no home field advantage. There's no, I mean, home court advantage. You just in the gym hooping. And I feel like we like they're playing super hard. This is the hardest I've seen everybody collectively as a league play since the 90s. I said that on the podcast a while ago. This has been super fun to watch. And all the chippiness and all the fights that happen in the summertime and those empty gyms we get to see now because the gyms are empty. The shit's just on ESPN, though. So it's a lot of fun to watch.
2: Well, also, there's not the... Uh... These sort of extracurricular activities. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's all
0: hoop. (laughs) It's all hoop. That's it.
2: (laughs) But I do understand, Ryan, why people want the show, and I want to deliver the show. David Levine, my partner, and I really want to deliver the show.
1: Brian, do you guys go as far as to say, like, I mean, one of the guys uh, somehow, I don't know if you follow him, too, but one of the guys who, because I will sometimes cross-reference All right is this person who's on COVID? Is this someone who Brian follows? Okay, I, I, they get a little more verification for me then. But Michael Mina is a guy who's tweeted out a ton of stuff about rapid tests. Do you guys go so far as to say to like- I think that that saliva rapid
2: test is gonna be a big deal to yeah. help everybody move quickly. Let's okay. go, let's get yeah.
1: it. Let's get right. It. right. Could that be something where you go to them?
2: Yeah. 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 Think about how many we need, man. Yeah, I know, I know. You it need to Test everybody it. all the fucking time. Yeah, I know, I know. There's like a real crew of people yeah. and we're all in a tight place so i i yeah. don't want to talk too much about the protocols because i don't know yeah. yet yeah, we're, yeah i will say we're in deep conversation about exactly what you're asking okay, all the time cool. we're all Got trying to, to. But,
0: but i was going to ask you are there other shows taping right now be, or, or that had taped? because like in the fall like i'm one of those people like i need my shows like people need sports you know like i'm a huge tv watcher so i was wondering like when the fall comes because that's like one of my favorite times with the shows nothing's been really filmed huh
2: People are just starting now. There's a couple shows that are just starting to crew up and just starting to go, and we'll have to see if they. My hope is that all the protocols will show us the way to go. That like this next month of people starting will give us a a roadmap of how to make it of how to make it work. I mean, you know, we we just have to. Make sure that everybody's going to be okay. Well, it's weird, right, that baseball was so fucked up and basketball worked and it's because of the way they bubbled, probably.
0: Yeah. It's the bubble. No, not yeah. probably. 1,000% because of a bubble. Yeah,
1: and, and, and I also wonder, Brian. like you guys are used to a certain cadence to your timing of shooting, right? Your actors and actresses, they have other things that they're maybe committed to obligated to i mean well the show comes for, i mean
2: the show comes for, for you know they, okay good, if they're good. regulars on the show no we'll first, we'll so. be able to coordinate and organize okay. shooting the show when it's time to shoot the show but yeah man it's really frustrating i mean it's yeah. yes you're right you're in the rhythm of a season and you like a season of sports and yeah you know okay this is our time that we're wood shedding and writing and now we're in the thing and we're working 18 hours a day we're writing and shooting and editing and I mean, for me and Dave, you know, we're doing all that stuff where, we're, I mean, Cece came and visited us where we edit and, and you know, that's uh, so why writing room is there and our editing room is there. And then at night we're going to shoot or, or the, you know, then we're leaving there to shoot then we're coming back. And that, um, talk about adrenaline. I mean, that's a fully adrenalized six months for me that I don't, I'm not able to access right now. You
1: know, one of the coolest things about your show, I think for New Yorkers is you guys and, and you, you broaden it beyond New York, but there are very specific, like New York spots or or you know, moments, events, underground things that you guys reference or give love to, show love to. And I've always wondered, like, how do you determine kind of like, oh yeah, we know that this sort of, you know, sort of hidden New York gem is something that's gonna like connect with the audience, like, or or this is one that our show is the right show to to kind of pop or give
2: love to. Pure instinct, man. That's just like I'm doing it for me. Me and Dave are doing it for the two of us. Mm. And if we dig it, then Ryan and CC are going to dig it. I mean, that's basically true. the way that I think about it. I, I you know, I'm not I'm never calculating it. There's no way to do it. You know, honestly, how do you know when to throw a curveball? You just sort of know when to throw a curveball, right? I mean, Earl Monroe just sort of knew when he should back someone down and spin or not. like it's just what you I've been doing this a long time. Mm. You know, I made my first movie, Dave, and I did when we were thirty years old, and fucking 1996, 97. So like, it's a long time at trying to figure out when to throw the two-seamer. So you sort of just know at a certain point. And then also, you got to be just satisfied that it's for yourself so that you're making the show you want to watch. And then the fact that other people want to watch it is a great bonus. You know, like our first movie wasn't that popular at the time. But then over time, all these people decided it was, was their Rounders movie your ever. first?
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is in a, one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time.
2: But at first, it wasn't. And then now everybody loves that movie because, and, and it was the same thing. We just made a movie. Dave and I just wrote a movie that we wanted to see. And, and yeah. that kind of confidence in an artist comes over time, or you decide at the beginning you're going to do that. And then I think some people try to guess the market, but I, that's not our expertise. And I think part of it is, you know, I'm making something with my lifelong best friend. Dave is my lifelong best friend. And we're just trying to make each other laugh or amuse each other. And yeah. and maybe if you're, I was alone, I wouldn't have the freedom or the confidence. But I know if I dig in and Dave digs it, there's a really good chance that other people are going to dig it. And and if not, at least we'll look at each other like, well, we did our thing, you know, and and we got to do our thing. That's the part that you can't really explain, Ryan. And yeah. that's the part that's just like, luckily enough, the thing that's inside me when I express it is. Over now, I know this because it's over 20-something years. If David and I have a thing we feel like we want to express, there's a group of people who want to hear it. For whatever reason, that's just like, that's what I am as an artist. Yeah, that's lucky, but that's true. It just turns out that other people feel what I feel. It could have not been that way. I just got lucky in that way. When you're looking at the show,
1: do you look ahead and already know how the show ends and how many seasons it's going to be?
2: Yeah, but I'm not sticking my tongue out so you can figure out what we <laughs> <doing.
0: laughs> you know, If you give me any kind of hit, I can figure that shit out, especially for a TV show. <laughs> yeah,
1: but okay, so you you already know it doesn't like it's not evolving um necessarily like you're getting to a place and you know, like let's say Showtime says, Brian, the show is it's it's too much of a hit. We don't want to go away. Here's a blank check. You still know, no, this is when the show ends and this is how it ends.
2: Did you just say blank check? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we, can, we can write this show forever if you got a blank yeah, yeah, check. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I just heard the words blank check. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, I, mean, I think you guys do see that De La Hoya is fighting again at 48. He <laughs> yeah. came back. You think he's fighting again because he suddenly has the urge to <laughs> get in the ring? That's a great point. Okay. He finally so, knows how to really land the jab. Oh, so there's man. some
1: creative flexibility in the future. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> That's a great answer. Uh, well, I mean, hey, for I think all parties win in that situation. It means we yes. get more billions and, and you and your crew get more loot. I'm cool with that. We, Brian, what about like when we, you know, because obviously you're a diehard sports fan. You have relationships with these athletes. You're close with them. C is, you know, a, a future Hall of Famer. I have a front row seat call in these games. When you are watching a special talent up close, it, it hits you differently, right? It hits you differently. Is it like that on a set too, when you're watching actors where you're like, whoa, whoa, this is a different breed
2: right here? Yeah, I mean, the moment, like, let's, like, so we knew about, mo- but the moment Asia Kate Dillon started playing Taylor, mm. you, you're, of course, you're just like, holy fuck. Yeah. yeah, how can you not be? You, yeah. you, uh, yes, over and over in our career, we've seen that happen. And, and it is a, a like, yeah, you know, when Edward Norton walks onto the set of Rounders. Now, we knew who Edward, Edward had done Primal Fear. We wanted him to, you know, some of that guy saying your words and doing that shit and Matt Damon. So yes, the answer is yes. But, but for an unknown, it's really fun when it's something like Asia, who shows up and they're just such a great actor and so smart. And suddenly, you know, you wrote this character and it's a very difficult thing to play. And suddenly the thing's just coming alive. And yeah, you I remember um calling showtime. David and I called them after probably Asia's second episode. And we said, You're gonna see this tape. We have to sign this person before this season of the show airs. Because wow. they're gonna, you know, because the first when someone comes on a show in the second season, you're just signing them kind of for the season, like mm-hmm. they're gonna do six episodes. But as soon as we started seeing what Asia did, we called and we said, we have to make Asia regular. And, and they were right. They watched the stuff and they were like, you guys are totally right. Let's do that now. And so, yeah, that totally happens. And, and it's an amazing thing to see because it's so obvious. Uh, it, it's just that if you're there with your eyes open, you can't miss it. And it's <clears throat> one of the most exciting things in, that can possibly happen in your professional life, right? is when that stuff happens. I love those moments in sports too, though. Yeah. yeah. You know, when, when Pete Sampras won that U S open at 17 and, and you're just like, Oh, we're going to be watching this guy for a really long time. Those are very special moments. And then sometimes it's like Brian
0: Doyle has that one series and then.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't know how that happens or why that happens.
0: I think Asia's character works so well too, because it's the one that can cha- challenge acts. Ax. Like Axe is the smartest person on the show. But then you get Taylor in there and you're like, well, maybe he's not the smartest person. You know what I'm saying? Like Asia's the one person that actually like challenges acts on the show to me.
2: And that's such a hard. So, right. We wrote it that way. You're exactly right. See, but then to find an actor who could really do it is so hard Yeah, to find an actor because Damien has the ability to portray someone so smart and fast. And then to have Asia be able to match Damien in that way was great. So, yeah, I agree with you 100 percent.
1: You know what I love too, Bry. Like you know, my my favorite like movie characters of all time are probably Michael Corleone and Vito, and then Darth Vader. And 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 part of my reason is right that they're complex. You, they're they're are they antagonists or are they protagonists? Like, do you root for them or do you? I feel like your show, every single main character has those those sides where I find myself at times rooting for them. And at times being like, "Oh no, I I want them to lose this time." And it's it, it's such an amazing experience for the viewer, and it's so human and so real.
2: We were not at all interested in pure good and evil. We were really interested in human nature and in people who might want to be good but somehow can't, or who rationalize their bad behavior. And you know, you look at the world and you look at all these powerful people on all these stages and. You just see it everywhere that you look. And so uh, that's what we wanted to depict. And we found these actors who are just able to bring this stuff to life in an incredible way.
1: Yeah. oh, it, it, it's, it, it's fantastic, man. It, it really is. I can't wait for the show to... Uh... To come back, not putting you under any pressure. Follow the health and safety protocols, Bry. But we we're all pumped for it. You know we can't wait.
2: Cece, we have to have a, a day of uh, a golf and and having a catch, man.
0: Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. Whenever you got time, let's do it. All right, hit yeah. it.
2: We're gonna we're gonna have to have you back on sometime, Bry. You were fantastic, man. This is a blast. So happy to talk to both of you. Take care. Be well well Brian was fantastic man I, I, I could listen
0: you, to him all day yeah all he, he day, you were right. Bro. Yeah. I told well, you two more hours you know what I'm saying <laughs> hey man <laughs>
1: we, we got to get him back soon we do and he you know he, he sounds like he knows when billions are going to end but if that money comes he's going to keep the show going
0: Yeah, did you say a blank check? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A
1: blank check. A blank check. That was phenomenal. Anyway, we appreciate you guys listening. Remember, new episodes every Thursday. Download, rate, review, subscribe. Available on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Tell everybody you know. We love you. Peace.